Chrysalis. We're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, Ron, it's free, Rider Friday. I wait all month for this, Ed. I know, I know. Uh, those of you listening to the show for the first time, usually our show is a topic or an interview that we're doing with a guest. But once a month, Ron and I have set aside for us to just talk about some of the things that are happening in the news or law, uh, in, in other places for, that we have accumulated stuff. And, and hence, we call it Free Rider Friday because we're just free riding. Although, Ron, the original intent of this show is so that we would, 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 would not have to prepare so much. <laughs> but I, I think we I messed that up. Yeah, I think <laughs> we did. I prepare for these shows more than almost any others. <laughs> I know. Like the purpose was, wait a minute, this was supposed to be an easy week, and it's like not so much, not so much. You know, so being much. being a being an event driven show, like you know some of the radio shows where they're just talking about the daily news or whatever. That's that's difficult. That's a lot of prep work. I agree. I agree, especially the learning that we did from about this show. And and on that, Ron, let's let's jump in. I, you know, we have talked a number on a number of occasions on this show about North Korea yep. and the 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 evils of of what's gone on up there. I think, in, in fact, I know we've talked a little bit about, bit about Michael Malice's book, Dear Dear Reader, yep. and how that that impacted both of us. I. I sat this morning in awe watching some of these events unfold where the two leaders of North and, and South Korea, Kim Jong-un and um, uh, the, uh, why can't I think of, oh, Moon, Moon Jae-in. Right. Like, hanging out like buddies. I know. And and this is, I I, I, I this is a beautiful thing. I hope. I mean, I hope that this is not the the, the prelude to something going terribly wrong, but th- this this could could mean an incredible change of life for millions of people, for the better. It could. I mean, you kind of have to assume that path dependency doesn't apply, right? What they are or what they're going to be is what they've been. Talking about North Korea um, because they've. You know, we've had six party talks before with them and other types of talks, uh, and they never let anywhere. They make false promises and then they break them. But I, you're right. I mean, I, I have a streak of optimism about this, and I can't explain why. Rationally, you know, you, you, you'd probably be better off being a pessimist, but I don't know. I We live in interesting times. Yeah, and I think part of it is because it's not six-way talks. Part of it is because I'm glad there's 
not a U.S. presence, as I'm equally gl- glad that there's not a Chinese presence in there. And I was talking with our our friend Howard Hansen this morning a little bit about this because he he's he he's actually spent some time there was and said, "Yep, I've stood there." Right? It's like yeah. I I was right, and and one of the things that he 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 said is it's it's a bit like what he talks about with triangles, right? Hey, work it out, right? Mm-hmm. It, we, Maintain the outside position, and 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 in in some way, this is that we didn't we weren't asked because I'm sure if we were asked, we would say no. We we need to be there, right? And same thing with the Chinese. I'm sure they would have said no. We we absolutely need to be there. This it should involve all of us. And this is this is these two two guys, uh, and perhaps their governments saying, you know what? Nope, we can do this on our own. And if you can trace this back to the Olympics, I'm not a big believer in the Olympics anymore because it kind of makes me a little bit crazy the, the the nationalism that surrounds it but if this if this is due in part to the Olympics being in South Korea then that's that's a great thing yeah I agree I mean almost uh, a month ago to the day uh, Kim Jong-un took his first foreign trip he went to China and he met with uh, Xi Jinping you know the leader there and uh I, I think he probably got comfort that they're going to, you know, watch his back because uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yep. they are they are allies for better or for worse. You know, they, they talk about uh, North Korea as their little brother and, and all of that. But, uh, I, I you know, I have to, I mean, Trump meeting, uh, agreeing to meet with him, sitting in a room, um, it's a risk. But you know what? I. We always talk about risk, right? You got to take risks to make change. And I, I I don't think there's anything that could be bad that could come of it. I mean, nothing could come of it, right? Right. But, and then we're back where we started, right? Exactly. I mean, you know. I, mean uh, I, I, I see this as nothing but positive and I can't tell you why. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's because it's just a break in the, you know, the way it's been going with, you know, the past 17 administrations or whatever it's been since this country's been around, but they've been a thorn in everybody's side, but yeah, this could be a dawn of a new era. I mean, and they they, they were even talk, talking even today the the word reunification came up. Yeah. Yep, and and and, and that's got, you know, the who knows what that would look like, Ed? Wow, you know, everybody looks to Germany, right? When, right. When, right. when the wall came down and what it cost West Germany to, you know, unify. And it was in the millions and billions of dollars or whatever. And they talk about what, what would happen if unification actually took place. Um, it'd be the best thing for the people of North Korea in the long run, you know. Oh, clearly, and in the short run, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if they, if they it's, it's out not the so good in the short run for South Korea, right? I think it's it's less of a good deal for the short run in uh, in, in South Korea. Yeah, yeah, there'd be some dislocations for sure, but uh, yeah, it's really interesting, really interesting. We'll, yep. we'll have to see how it unfolds. Yeah, and they even the the other word that it, and there's still definite lack of clarity around this one is is denuclearization. Yeah. There, okay. What exactly does that mean? <laughs> that's the one I'm, I'm, I am more openly skeptical about because that's been promised before. And of course they've reneged on all these promises, but you know, if it's verifiable and 
he agrees. And, you know, now I think he, he might ask for us to, you know, evacuate South Korea. And, you know, that's probably a non-starter. There, there are certain issues that are just off the table. So I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to play out. But right, it, right. it reduces these weird tensions and, you know... <laughs> Uh, my 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 nuclear button's bigger than yours. Then that can only be that can only be a positive thing. I think. Yep. I mean, again, and I guess the only thing we have to look at in history is is to you know how how quickly did when the 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 Soviet Union dissolve, right? Yep. And and that was still that was still what eighteen months or so. Right. Depending right. upon what date you go by, so I mean, there's time, but they they are talking about en- formally entering the Korean War by the by the end of this year, this this calendar year. So let yeah, it's just hope. an arm, it's just an armistice we signed. It's never really thoroughly been over, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, great anyway. stuff. All right. Well, I I got one that's kind of annoying. Uh, it's called the end <laughs> justifies the obscene. You remember oh, the- sounds fun. Remember, this is out of National Review from uh, it was from last month, actually. But remember the Haitian uh, the earthquake in Haiti in 2010? Yeah. Well, Oxfam, you know, the not for profit group that tries to provide relief all around the world. uh, They saw this as party time. They set up brothels in Port-au-Prince, called them pink apartments. There's a massive expose in the British paper, The Times. And they were mm-hmm. throwing big parties with girls wearing Oxfam T-shirts, running around half naked. I mean, the reporter said it was basically like Caligula. Um, Oxfam execs concealed details from regulators and the public. Now, the UK contributed forty million dollars to Oxfam last year, mm-hmm. you know, for these relief efforts. And on the BBC, International Development Secretary Penny Mordaunt said that Oxfam had denied to her department any misbehavior. And the BBC reporter said, was this a lie? And she said, well, quite. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And Oxfam has been accused of the same thing, uh, employing locals as prostitutes in 2006 in Chad, while it was there helping refugees from the civil war in the Sudan. And a 15-year Oxfam employee was quoted as saying, there's a fear that if we tell the truth, the reputational damage to the agencies will benefit the sections of the press and politicians who want to reform the sector. (laughs) Well, reform, Ed, we can't have that. No, 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 (laughs) no, that's not reform. You know, all I could think of was um, Poverty, Inc. You know, we talked to Robert Sirico on the show about that movie that they did. And we talked to Magat Wade. And this is just another example to kind of throw in there about, and it's public choice theory too, right? These, these, uh, whether you're in the profit sector, the nonprofit sector, the government sector, you got to look at the incentives. It kind of takes all the romance out of it and all the intentions and says, you know, humans can be, humans can be pretty terrible actors sometimes, no matter what sector they're in. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, bad. it's that's that's just a horrifying thought that, that that people, real people, were taken advantage of um, in 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 this case over over this tragedy. And, and I, I, you know, it's like Nixon, right? It's the the event is one thing, but the cover up is the thing that kills it. Yeah, 
Exactly. And 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 this this the, the cover up in this case is 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 worse, right? Because it, it's it is. It, that's this is and as which is crazy because as horrifying as that was, the cover up is still worse. Yeah, yeah. Talk about taking advantage of a situation. Yep. Oh. Not good. Not good. All right, Ron. Well, let's 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 do our first break here. Want to remind you that you can contact Ron or me and send in your thoughts on Free Rider Friday at hashtag AskTSOE, and we will monitor that during the show. So if you want to send us something now, we'll take a quick look and see if you've got anything for us. But also, you can send an email to AskTSOE at Verisage.com, and that perhaps some of that material will end up in a future Free Rider Friday. But right now, we want a word from our sponsor, Leading results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have, but have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Solemn Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And here we are, free riding on Friday on The Soul of Enterprise. And again, shout out to our sponsor, Leading Results. They're making some great, doing some great work for us and uh, as are our social media team but they can do that for you as well hey ron this one came across my desk i want to see what your your uh your thoughts are on this as a former recovering accountant uh blogger by the name of ryan a ferguson and this is from his blog ryanaferguson.com and the title of this blogcast is amazon landia amazon landia and he talks about how he read a, a story that amazon at its peak you know, over the holidays, uh, has about 500,000 people, half a million people are em- employees at one time. And right. it's said to, that that would be the 171st most populated country in the world. Hmm. Right? And I think there's 230 some odd countries or whatever, right? Well, then he takes it to a step further and says, well, 
what if Amazon were to just buy a country? Right? All right. <laughs> and put their headquarters there. Right? <laughs> just just to say, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Um, and, you know, and could they do this? And he, he did some little, little checking here. And, you know, they, Amazon had uh, $22 billion in cash. So forget the fact that Apple has 10 times that. So if Apple wanted to do this, it would be even easier. But Amazon has $22 billion in cash. But $22 billion is 15 times the GDP of St. Kitts, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, so why not if they could just go and, you know, say, hey, listen, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we, we, we'd like to, to, to buy half of your country and set up their own government that sets the regulations for, for, the, for the laws, including, you know, taxation. And uh, this, you know, here we are. Come get us. <laughs> well, they still have to deal with paying taxes in the comfort, com- in the countries they operate in, right? Right. Sell right. Them. So that that'd be an issue. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, I, yeah, it's funny you bring this up because I just literally read this in in an Economist. They were talking about how countries. You know that the multinationals, especially that were very proud of bestroding the the planet, right, not claiming mm-hmm. home to any one country, right? right? They they wave multiple flags, they had multiple passports, and they say, well, that trend is breaking. They're starting to go back and pick a country, mm-hmm. uh, like Unilever is leaving the UK and they're going to the Netherlands, and you know they they gave lots of different examples of all these companies, you know, picking a headquarter in in a country. Um, and, and, and so they were kind of pointing out the exact opposite trend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but and I have a feeling it's not possible. I, you know, all sorts of treaty issues and, but, but I, well, I, I, go ahead. I, I, I'm not sure it would save them any, any major taxes either. Because... All right, let me throw let me throw this next wrinkle in it because I okay, thought that's good. where you would go with this, right? So let's throw the next wrinkle in it, and this is this is my my leveraging on top of this. Right. What if Amazon were to then create its own currency, its own cryptocurrency? <laughs> <laughs> now, now, yes, now that's interesting. Uh, that's that's very interesting. You talk about going off the grid, right? Well, because I don't know if you saw, but earlier, I think it was maybe 10 days ago, Amazon put out a press release that they now, on their Amazon Web Services team, you can spin up your own cryptocurrency. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and AWS is often offering uh, blockchain services, right. isn't it? Yep. 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 That too. Um and I mean, even if they t- took at what 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 is known as Amazon gift cards right now, right? Yep. And converted that into a cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. You I mean, and then did it uh, did did an initial coin offering on it. I I, I <laughs> I'd have to. I think I'd buy some. I'm just saying. It, it it does seem it does seem odd, doesn't it, with all these little weird startup companies doing all these ICOs, you know, and raising hundreds of millions or just sometimes obscenely uh, large amounts of money that that a company like Amazon or Facebook hasn't created or or Apple for that matter hasn't created its own cryptocurrency. 
its own ICO. I know. I think that they they got to be waiting for you know some some of the re- regulation stuff to try to you know sh- sort itself out. You know, sure. But what they don't want to do is is take take any risk in that. So the the uh, other thing Ed, is, you know, I was just reading this book on the blockchain. It's called the Truth Machine, and you know they were talking about governments are starting to talking about central banks are starting to look into um, governments issuing cryptocurrency like a national currency, which kind of defeats the whole purpose, right? Right. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's there and uh, who knows? It's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that government could issue, you know, their own Mm -hmm. version of Bitcoin. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. I'll, uh, I, I I haven't read that blog, but I'll have to go check that out. Yeah, interesting stuff, Phil. Anyway, Amazonlandia. That's <laughs> where we're going to Amazonlandia. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, kind of follow up on that. This is a tax tax article. It's called the the old one two from the Economist. Um, forget taxing profits, Ed. Let's just this is an EU proposal. So, okay, okay get ready to roll your eyes. Let's just do a 3% tax on local revenues, gross income tax. Doesn't Texas have a, a gross income tax on corporations? Isn't that how they... Uh, yeah, it's called, it's, called, it's called the franchise tax. The franchise so, tax. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. this, yep. this, is a, this would be a 3% tax on local revenues. Now, that begs the question, where does the value come from with these, some of these digital outfits, right? Is it right. where the programmers are? Is it where the IP is? is housed is it where the users are whatever but put that aside pierre moscovici and i don't care if i'm pronouncing that right because he's an eu bureaucrat completely (laughs) but he says this is just an interim fix he said and he denies that they're targeting usa firms 120 to 150 firms would be affected by this and just coincidentally half of them would be american so Apple, Google, Facebook, I mean, they pay a huge amount. It would only apply to companies with global global revenues of more than $922 million and EU revenues of more than $61 million. Um, and it could raise as much as $6.1 billion, a 3% gross income tax. And they say this is fair because digital firms now are paying an effective rate of 9.5% in the EU, whereas brick-and-mortar companies are paying 23.3% effective tax rate. So the France, uh, French president uh, Emmanuel Macron, who who's, was just here, right, mm-hmm. he, pushed, yep. he, he pushed hard for this. France, Germany, Italy, and Spain all welcomed it. But small countries will push back because it would be – you know, hard on them. And the USA, our Treasury Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, said this is not fair. So he's he's come out against it. Uh, and, of course, tax changes in the EU require unanimous consent of all the members. So they have no idea if this is going to pass. But the economist thinks that this is only being put forward to make a, to make another tax proposal look that much more appealing which is a plan to tax digital profits for those with a digital president presence. Now you're going to love this, Ed. How do they define a digital presence? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Get, yep. get ready. You need, um, 
seven million in euros in gross, or you have a hundred thousand customers, or more than three thousand business contracts in a given country. That's how you define digital. That's a digital presence in a particular location. You generate seven million euros in that location. You have a hundred thousand customers in that location, or you have more than three thousand business contracts. <laughs> I can't even imagine the regulations that would be needed to be written <laughs> to, yeah. to describe all that. I mean, all I can say is Brexit 2.0, anyone? Yeah, really, really. And, and they wonder why Great Britain voted to get out of this. This uh -huh. is the kind of thing that it just, yeah. this is the thing that bugs me the most about the EU. This this kind of petty bureaucratic regulation just all they can all they can do in Brussels is sit around devise new ways to tax things, mm -hmm. and it's just and it's our companies that are going to pay the freight or or the bulk of it, and of course we're never the target, but just so happens right. that just so happens. <laughs> so I don't know, maybe uh, Amazon Landia is a great idea. <laughs> see, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. All right, so. So just a quick one to finish up before we get to the bottom of the hour. I'm going to flip, the, flip this uh, uh, and kind of invert it, invert your last one. And I know you know about this one because we sort of talked about this a little bit. And, and, and you know, I'm always trying to get you to move to Texas, Ron, right? Yep. And, and yep. You, you can't afford the U-Haul, yep. I know. U-Haul, yep. <laughs> right. But uh, <laughs> you know California has now declared that basically coffee is causing cancer, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. That's and, in my stack, uh, by the way. But go ahead. Oh, it is in your stack. Okay, <laughs> because really, this this what it um, uh, alkylamide, right? Yep. Which is this naturally occurring substance that if you stuff it into the brain of a, a of a of a rat, it gets cancer. I'm in pretty large, sure that if you in stuff large the, quantities. Yeah, it's like, that's what I mean. You yeah. gotta like so, yeah. stuff got, the brain. Literally, yeah. <laughs> stuff the brain, but it's basically in just about anything, anything fried. Right. Yep. Any anything and baked any anything that browns. Right. Because yep. so, it, it is what causes browning in 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 in, uh, in foods. Sure. Right? Potato chips, almonds. Yeah. All yeah. that. Yeah. Sure. Everything. The whole the whole deal. Right. So now, <laughs> now that, that I want to say so now we're going to the, the you know, California is is looking out for you, Ron, and they're going to start suing all these companies uh, because, you know, the constitutional rights of Californians need to need to obtain make sure they're safe right yeah. and these these companies knowingly provided these products ron that had this substance in it <laughs> but you know they're these guys these guys they're in it they're in it for the people ron they're in it for i know the people. But, i know there's yeah, no just, there's no baptist i think this is all just bootleggers by the way <laughs> but it, it's the council for education and research on toxics that brought this lawsuit and Ed, their their remedy, they're asking for fines of twenty five hundred dollars for everyone exposed to these things since two thousand and two. So if you just looked at Pete's Coffee and Starbucks, <laughs> that would be. Mm -hmm. I, we're talking like tobacco settlement type numbers, right? Well, and, so so this so here's where I was going with this, right? <laughs> so what about how about instead, Ron? Instead, how about the state of California just lowers its taxes <laughs> by twenty five hundred dollars per person, 
and we give the money back that way. How about we do that, Ron? Uh, I would love it. I would love it. That would be fantastic. And, and Ed, you know, no, and no, LA... gotta get the, then the lawyers won't get rich. See, that's <laughs> an L.A. judge ruled on this case and, and found in this in this, uh, you know, outfits favor. But we can't blame this judge. We have to blame Proposition 65 that was passed in 1986 because it had all of these rules and regulations for disclosure about cancer, you know, on scented candles and matches and brass knobs and light bulbs and, you know, billiard cue chalk. There's regulations for billiard cue chalk in this lovely state. So, yeah, no, I hear you. Well, you pulled that out of my stack. But, yeah, that that caught my eye, too. Walter Olson, by the way, over at Cato, and also he yep. runs over lawyered. He's been all over this. Uh, all the way back, by the way, since like 2001, he's been covering this issue and he's just done a great job explaining the lunacy of some of this. So, well, as normal, Ed, this is just flying by. And folks, we'd like to remind you, if you want to get a hold of Ed or myself, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. And thank you, everybody who's written us, sent us uh, notes and pinged us on social media, uh, providing us with material, videos, all of that. You guys are great at that. Please keep them coming. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Abacus Next. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Results CRM, the award-winning Abacus Next product, is a customer relationship management solution that will automate your business processes, streamline workflows, and deliver consistent results. Cloud-enabled to provide access to your users anytime from anywhere. Grow your business in 2018 with the number one QuickBooks CRM. To learn more about Results CRM, visit ResultsCRM.com. Clouds come in all shapes and sizes, and the Abacus Private Cloud is the perfect fit. Abacus Cloud enables all the desktop apps you know and love while providing unparalleled security to your business. Cloud functionality gives you the flexibility to work where you want, when you want, and from any device you want. Don't waste countless hours managing IT. Take back your time. Learn more at abacusnext.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Writer Friday here for the month of April. And, Ed, let's get out of my lunatic state and let's pop <laughs> over to Finland. 
we've talked. Oh, yeah, we know where you're going with Finland. Okay, and it's probably in your stack. So we're, you know, and we know, folks, we did not look at each other's stacks. That's the other rule of Free Rider Friday. Ed and I are not allowed to share what we're going to bring up with each other ahead of time. So this one is from um, the first thing I saw on this was from Fox News: Finland to end its universal basic income program by year's end. Um, this mm-hmm. was from just a few days ago, two days ago. Um, so th- this, th- they went out and they gave $685 a month to 2,000 ran- ran- randomly selected jobless people between the ages of 25 and 58. So they've been mm-hmm. running this, uh, you know, whether they called RTCs, random, uh, RCTs, control trial. Control trial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, they say, well, they're not really happy with what it's doing, so they're going to have new measures to cut benefits for those who don't actively seek employment. So rather than pursuing unconditionality, they're going to pursue conditionality. (laughs) They're going to put some conditions on getting, uh, you know, government stipends. Now, the proponents, of course, of universal basic income, say this was not a comprehensive enough study to gauge the idea's merits. And, of course, the critics are saying, well, if you went full bore with this, it would require a 30% tax increase to fund it in Mm. Finland. So back to our episode number 95 when we did an episode called A Check for Everyone, the basic income idea. A lot of talk about this, and there was even some stuff on the web on on our Facebook page about it. Um, so I, I don't, what do you think of this? Finland's dumping it. That was quick. It, it wasn't implemented correctly, Ron. That's the problem. It's all, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not that it's a bad idea. It's not that it's a bad idea. It was executed it's, poorly. It, yeah. It, it is, it, the, the execution was, was poor on it. And, uh, we just, if we execute it correctly next time, if we have the it's right, work. yeah, if we have the right people, we need the right people. And once we get the right people, then, then it's going to be, it's going to be all right. So maybe like you know we get Sweden to do it, or you know, well no, you know, heck, let's just elect Bernie Sanders in twenty twenty. He he didn't he because he this week he didn't he say he's going to give everybody fifteen dollar an hour jobs. Yeah, yeah, and uh, doing you know, what? Well, it doesn't matter. Well, fifteen bucks. So there you go. It's like, it was well, like he's the I, Oprah of jobs. You get a job, and you get a job. job. Just look under you your get seat. A job. I, I you know we could just have we could just have every mailbox in the country has a guard. And that could be your government. That could be your Bernie Sanders job. Wasn't that that was Johnny Carson's line, wasn't it? I think it was. I think it was. I think it was. That's a Johnny Carson's line. Yeah, yeah, that's always <laughs> stuck in my mind. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, just just have mailbox guards. There you go. Yeah, be well, you know, got to got to make sure that 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 we don't uh, put 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 uh, a bomb in the mail, right? Exactly. So, I, you know, I mean, that, a, that's as, absolutely justifiable. That's as good as Don Boudreaux's idea of having rickshaws. So there's yeah. a one-to-one ratio of job to passenger for public public transportation oh, projects. That, that's as good yeah. as the negative railroad from Frederick Bostiet. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> I, w- I was sta- I was standing on on a security line. This 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 week. actually I was watching other people on a security line because I was in the in the TSA pre one. And which which was moving pretty quickly, but there was so many people that, that, that in this airport that it's kind of spilled out over. And I was thinking, so what happens when some insane person do, bombs the security area, the pre-security area? Where there's Are a we ton gonna, of people. 
All right. Are we gonna then need? Are we gonna then need a security area to get into the security area? We'll have to have a pre pre. Have to have a PP. This is so. <laughs> you're pre TSA pre. And then you'll have a clear for that, and you know. It's... Yeah. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> All right. All right. Which one, you know, I have two that I want to like juxtapose against one another. Okay, so let me go see for if it. I can get, go for it. The first one is, uh, this is from a, a fee article by Brittany Hunter on why the Girl Scouts are marketing geniuses. Yeah. Right? Okay. This is back from in uh, end of end of March. They were talking about this, and you know, Girl Girl Scouts. They're I, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of the Thin Mint, by the way, just so you know. Sure. But um, and she says these these they're marketing geniuses. These Girl Scouts because she's like the Girl Scout. They're good, but they ain't, they're not great cookies. I mean, sure. <laughs> it's like not compared the to what you can get. stuff is way better, you know. <laughs> um, but here's the thing: they 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 create. They create what she calls a dominance hierarchy of cookies, right? Which you and I would would refer to as options or choices. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they give you distinct choices, and everybody knows that you know some of them are more crappy than others. And like you know, the coconut have, one, and yeah, you have, but you have a holdout. <laughs> like you have the people who really love the coconut are going to be good, right? They certainly do create an artificial scarcity. Yep, it's, it's true. you know it's only, they're only available for a, for a couple couple times a month. Even even though many of the cookies, like I forget which ones they they were. Oh, the 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 you know grasshoppers are really thin mints, but they're Keebler. So you can go buy them anytime, really. But they don't say Girl Scouts on them, right? So they create this whole fear of missing out. And the other thing that she mentions, I think this is good, is that it you know, it really does teach the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, there there aren't many places where you can get Girl Scout cookies online and they actively discourage that because they want the kids to have the face-to-face interaction with one sure. another, right? Sure. With, well, with other people and adults and, you know, and create healthy market competition. So I, you know, I'm, I'm totally good with this. And of course I thought the most famous one is, and I think this happened last year or two years ago. There was the, the Girl Scouts that set up shop outside the, the, uh, the marijuana store. in mm, Denver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Like that's genius that right there. Genius. That is genius. That was great. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely all about that. So, and and you know, and they're priced. They, they, these are cook. These cookies are freaking expensive. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they're yep. well, they're for the girls, right? For the Girl Scouts, and it, because it's also a, a fundraiser. Anyway, I just wanted to quickly juxtapose that against you know our our, our friend Elon, right? Mm-hmm. Elon Musk. I just come to this conclusion. There's an article about him in Inc. magazine, and he he sent a really interesting email to his employees, which deserves mention for one sentence because he 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 cites a, a problem that they that they have um, contracts on on the building of their Teslas, right? He with the contracts that quote ready lack a fixed price and duration, which creates an incentive to turn molehills into mountains. And they will never want to end the money train. All right. So, so kudos to Elon for that. But here's the downside. You know, there's this huge waiting list for the new model Tesla, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And they can't huge. crank them out. Yep. His pricing sucks, Ron. Right? That's the answer. His pricing sucks. Well, he's certainly not uh, using price to manage capacity at all. For sure. At all. Yeah. Right? 
and, and in fact, it's the the reverse is actually true because he's still losing money on every car. Now, why why not why not increase the price of that car significantly and take a lesson from Apple, and let the people who want to pay a lot of money for that car pay it? I, I'm I'm going to venture a guess here, so I'm going to try and channel Elon Musk, uh, and I could be totally wrong, but I think he loves the publicity of having a backlog, being able to sell everything he can make, having people drool over these things and be on waiting lists. And I bet you he thinks that that publicity outweighs any price increase he could get. Yeah, okay. It, 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 it's there's no, there's, there's no news story for Tesla, you know, sells a car to everybody who wants one. Well, not everybody who wants one, but... but at least have it so that your 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 waiting list because Apple does it so the waiting list doesn't drag on for months like when if when the new iPhone comes out you're going to be on a waiting list for a month right and right. they they try to ramp up production but at a certain point that does level out it looks like there's no leveling out of this there's no plan to level this out ever yeah yeah true so yeah, no, it, <laughs> those are two interesting stories. Yeah, you're the one that taught me that the Girl Scouts make their money on the you know on the clothing, right? Oh, they're, right. They're, yes. they're a big fashion house, so I I, mm-hmm. I can see the whole logic behind the cookies and not making them that available and all of that. But you know why Musk is doing that? Mm-mm, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good, uh, stuff. good question. Um, hey, Ron, got, before we go. To, we oh, did. We did have a yeah. have a review. Do you want to just get the review in before we take our break? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. To this came in from Jacob Overlander, CPA on uh, iTunes, and he uh, gave us a five star rating and said we were trustworthy. He said, "Great podcast covering accounting and economics. What can be better?" At, in San Francisco, <laughs> at one time there was the Boring Society, and I remember. <laughs> That they were interviewing a couple of these guys on a local show, and there was an accountant, an economist, and an actuary. <laughs> so I don't know when you combine that, what can be better? Uh, he said, also, the only podcast that I trust regarding current events in this political climate. So, Jacob, thank you so much for that, folks. Please, uh, we love getting these reviews. If you do give us a shout out on iTunes or any other place where you manage your podcast, we'll be happy to read it on the air. Uh, so thank you for that, Jacob. That was wonderful. And Ed, why don't we uh, go ahead and take our break, and then that way <clears throat> we have a little bit more time in the last segment because I got one that's uh, pretty humorous. And uh, folks, I'd like to remind you, we will post full show notes on all the topics that Ed and I discussed today at thesoulofenterprise.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor and Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Wherever your business is headed, Sage has the cloud solution you need to enable mobile accounting and simplify financial management. Discover how moving your financial data and accounting processes to the cloud 
can transform your business. Cloud accounting software from Sage can help you make better decisions, drive faster responses, and gain greater control. That's cloud accounting for the journey. For more information, visit sage.com forward slash US forward slash SOE. There is no blueprint for running the perfect firm. No way to know the challenges you'll face. But your journey does not have to be an odyssey. Experience what it is like for every part of your firm to be connected. Experience a practice management tool where everything is just a click away. Experience Office Tools. To learn more, visit officetools.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Solemn Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. We're doing Free Rider Friday here for the month of April. And, Ed, I got one, you know, The Economist on this very last page in every issue has an obituary. Mm-hmm. Most of the time it's, you know, famous people or, you know, not- noteworthy people. And then sometimes I read it and I, I have no clue who the person is, although they could be a star in that country or some other country. And that's the case with the one I want to share with you now. It's called The Last of Vaudeville. This was a comedian who died on March 11th at the age of 90, and his name was Sir Ken Dodd. So he got he obviously got an honorary title. Mm-hmm. And you know how some of the comedians just do gags. You know, they're just like one-liners, one after the other. I think of Rodney mm-hmm. Dangerfield. I think of, you know, Henny Youngman, right? Take my wife, please. Stephen Wright, yeah. Stephen Wright. Phyllis Diller. She mm-hmm. was a shot. I mean, she was a automatic rifle with. I mean, just boom, right. boom, gag after gag. She's hysterical, actually. Uh, listening to some of her old stuff on Sirius, uh, this guy holds the world record for this for the number of gags: fifteen hundred in three hours and seven minutes. <laughs> That's eight a minute. That's eight a minute with you know no notes just. Boom, boom, boom. Wow. You know, we know Greg Kite, and Greg Kite's a stand-up comedian. He's been on the show, and he's our, he's our uh, you know, Robert G. Newhart, non-value-added fellow at Verisage. And when he does a stand-up routine, his typical routine is 20, 30 minutes. You know, the pros might go an hour, sometimes maybe two, right? But can you imagine 1,500 gags in three hours? Let me just tell you a couple of them says, an official told my big aunt Nellie to come off the beach because the tide was waiting to come in. And, and then he says, mother-in-laws, I haven't spoken to mine for 18 months. I don't like to interrupt her. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, and the other really funny thing about this, 
obituary was in 1989, the inland revenue, that's their equivalent of the IRS over there, found 336,000 pounds in cash in his attic that he hadn't declared and even more cash in shoeboxes under the bed. And he told the inland revenue that I didn't owe them a penny because I lived by the seaside. <laughs> so I, Sir Ken Dodd, I have no idea who the guy is, but he sounded like a hoot and he is a big yeah. star over there, but uh, I got to go check out YouTube and see if there's anything on this guy, but he sounded like he was really funny. Yeah, check into him. No, that sounds great. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, this is uh, in sort of in alignment with that. Our friend uh, Dan Mitchell over at the Cato Institute has a, a quick post, and we'll put this up. I think the poll is still open. He asks his, his readers to at, be asked, which which state will be the first to suffer financial collapse? <laughs> well, we got to be in the running. Oh yeah, so the state the states that he has up on his on his list are Alaska, New York, Illinois, Connecticut, yeah. Vermont, Oregon, Kentucky, California, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. The odds-on favorite, by the way, believe it or not, is New Jersey, not California, mm. but New Jersey. Mm. So, yeah, that doesn't. Surprise. But although he he do, he does say if Chicago follows suit, that Illinois will win because they vote early and often. So. <laughs> Uh, that's great. I love Dan Mitchell's stuff. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, anyway, I, you know, I, I, I do think that at some point there's going to be a state that, that does have some kind of a catastrophic collapse and it's, it's not going to be pretty because I just wonder if the good people of Texas or North Dakota will be willing to bail out the good people of Vermont or the federal government. Remember New York back in the seventies? Yep. And the federal government said, no. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I hope would, somebody would be in office that would say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to say so. Anyway, we'll we'll put it up if the if the poll's still open, you can go vote yourselves and decide which which state is uh, most apt to do that. All right, you got another one, Ron? I do, uh, and and I don't know about this. Ed. I just I'm bringing it up because it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting idea. This is uh, from Jonathan Calkins in National Review, and it's an entire article against a weed industry. So he's talking about, you know, he says capitalism unleashes unbelievably productive forces, as we know, with, you know, more choices and goods and lower prices. Uh, and he said now that that's good for, you know, most things, 99% of things, he said, but there are some things that we don't allow. We don't allow an organ market, which I would support, by the way, but uh, we don't yeah. allow steroids and prostitution, things like that. Um, he thinks that since no modern nation has ever allowed a large-scale commercial production of marijuana, we're talking about like corporate-style you know, yeah. liquor industry and all that, and he talks about, well, the Netherlands, you know, they only have retail sales, and elsewhere where pot is legal the right uh inures in the individual not in corporations he is proposing that for at least a 10-year period until we can see the effects that we restrict production of marijuana to only non-profit organizations and they must have boards on uh, you know a board to protect public health and make sure that they undercut black markets 
you know, so keep mm-hmm. the prices low enough so there's not enough black, you know, there's no black markets, uh, but not promote greater consumption. Now, I don't know where you find these angels to sit on this board, but but put put that aside. the the other The other idea embedded in this is just uh, only make it legal for co-ops to do this um, mm-hmm. that would only supply their own members. But one of his arguments is we just don't know the effects. On, on a modern nation like America if we do this and what would happen to man. He, he does put out some interesting statistics. He says self-reported usage of marijuana has gone from 0.9 million people in 1992 to almost 8 million today, 2016. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says 60% of these are high school educated or less, so they'd be quite sensitive to falling prices. For instance, prices in Washington between 2014 and 17, um, fell from 23.50 a gram to seven and a quarter a gram, mm-hmm. and THC um, went from consumption of 0.032 grams per week to 1.3 grams per day. That's a 60 times increase. So he's just saying, look, we don't know the effects, so why don't we? slow it down for 10 years and not turn it over to these massive corporations who are going to promote mass consumption. That's what they do, right? They want to sell more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, now, I I don't agree with this, but when I read it, it's like, okay, well, it, it's an interesting idea. <laughs> yeah, it, no, it is an interesting idea, and I don't agree with it either. I, I, I you know, it, it, I think the marijuana thing is is only a couple of years away from from being completely descheduled. Um, it's 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 almost inevitable at this point. I mean, even it, Donald Trump has has pulled Jeff Sessions back off the brink uh, from prosecuting. And of course, it's still illegal federally. It's still difficult for people to get bank accounts. But um, I was listening to a podcast today where they said that that this this one this one bank in in Colorado has taken it upon itself to make sure. That the, that certain standards are kept up by the people that it loans money to, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All that said, is a, I want to. That's kind of a big wind up for this. You know, the, the the one thing that I and I don't know enough about marijuana production um, at all. You know, I, I've often have have told the joke that I'm the only libertarian that I know of that has never smoked marijuana nor fired a gun. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a very weird Venn diagram to be in, but it's it's a plant and it's a weed and unlike even alcohol, which requires some significant production, I don't think that the mar- that marijuana production requires much than you know watering the plant, and I, I think there's a certain dry out period where you have to dr- dry out the the pods or whatever they're called, the buds, um, but I don't know how long that is, and is it that big? So you know, I, I don't know if there will ever be mass large scale production like that simply because people can produce it so easily themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It's going to be a heck of an experiment to see. Uh, and of course, Canada is moving to this July 1st. So there will be a, a nationwide, um, you know, legalization movement there. Although I think it varies by province, but well, Ed, as usual, this just flew by, but what's on store for next week? Next week, Ron, we are privileged to have an, uh, the economist Michael Munger join us, who is the author of the book Tomorrow 3.0, which both of us are, well, I'm currently reading it and you've read it. Look forward to talking to uh, Professor Munger. Yeah, me too. Can't wait. I'll see you in 167 hours. 
This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing business builders around the world through the imagination of our people and the power of technology. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. And in the meantime, please do visit our website, www.thesoulofenterprise.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network.